Welcome to the Master Your Mix podcast, helping engineers, producers, and artists create professional recordings and mixes, even from home. I'm your host, Mike and Davina. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Master Mix Podcast. My name is Mike and Davina. Thank you so much for joining me today. In this week's episode, I want to share with you my top three lessons that I learned in 2018. Now, at the time of this episode, we're a few weeks into January 2019, but I've been doing a lot of reflecting on the past year and some of the lessons that I've learned and some of the things that I've implemented into my own mixes. So I thought it'd be fun to share with you those lessons so that you can learn from them and start to implement them into your own mixes moving forward. Now, before we begin, I just wanted to share with you a very special announcement. My brand new book, The Mixing Mindset, is now available for sale. It is the step-by-step formula for creating professional rock mixes from your home studio. And inside the book, you're going to get a beginning-to-end formula for organizing your tracks to working efficiently, working faster, analyzing your tracks, processing them, and knowing exactly when you should finish mixing. One of the big problems that a lot of home studio engineers have is that they don't have a process to follow and they don't know what to do with their tracks, how to process them. They don't know how to keep their focus. And as a result, a lot of people find themselves constantly second guessing their work. And this is a very frustrating thing because the last thing you want is to be doubting yourself as you're mixing. Instead, you want to feel much more confident and feel like you're making smart, informed decisions. So this book walks you through all of the different steps when it comes to mixing so that you can start to feel confident and you can feel like you're making the right moves for your particular mix. So make sure to check it out. Once again, it's called The Mixing Mindset, the step-by-step formula for creating professional rock mixes from your home studio, and it is available now on Amazon as a Kindle and paperback version. So that's my big announcement for today. Let's jump right into the episode. So here are my top three lessons that I learned in 2018. The first important lesson of 2018 that I learned was something that I had already actually known and that I had practiced for years before, but for whatever reason I stopped. And that is the importance of constantly using reference tracks. Now, for years, I had worked out of an older mix room and I had made tons of mixes in there. I had listened to tons of reference tracks in there and I got to really understand what my speakers sounded like in that particular room. And over time, just because I had listened to so many reference tracks, I kind of just stopped because I already knew what to expect out of my speakers. Then fast forward to 2018, and at the beginning of the year, I moved into a brand new space and I had to create a brand new mix room. And even though I was using all of the exact same equipment and with the same monitors, my mixes were just sounding different. And I wasn't using reference tracks at that point. Now, I kind of just realized that in this new room that I'm in, my speakers just sounded different than the old room. And in fact, I was hearing much more low end coming from my speakers. And what was happening was because I was hearing so much low end out of my speakers, I was compensating by cutting it all off because in my old mix room, I wouldn't hear this much low end. And so I would kind of roll off a lot of low end. And then whenever I went to my car or to a different set of speakers, I realized my mixes weren't translating. They, they were lacking all of that low end. This, just, this room just wasn't the same as my old room. So it wasn't until I started using reference tracks and started really listening to mixes that I admire in my new mix room that I realized I needed that low end. I needed to hear that extra low end in this room. And what I was hearing out of my speakers originally was actually true. It was it was a true representation of what should come out of my speakers. So reference tracks have helped keep me a lot more in line with what to do. 
Uh, I can listen to my mixes and I can listen to my favorite mixes and compare them and say, okay, well, I do need this much top end or I do need this much low end or I need to scoop this thing out in the middle here, that kind of thing. And reference tracks have really allowed me to hone in on knowing what to expect out of my speakers in this particular room. Another great use for reference tracks that I had this year was that I bought a brand new mix cube as a reference monitor. So for years, I've always worked on KRK Rocket 8s. I just personally love those speakers. I love how they sound. But I found that I just wanted to have another source. I wanted to have kind of that crappy speaker sound just to hear how it would translate to something that wasn't that great. So I bought a mix cube. And the Mixcube sounds nothing like the KRKs at all. It's very mid-range heavy. There's not much low end. And I needed to, I, I just really didn't know what to expect out of that speaker. And I didn't want to just start mixing my records on that speaker to sound like my KRKs because I knew that that wasn't going to translate well. So I had to spend a lot of time really listening to reference tracks on that monitor to understand what to expect out of it and to realize that you know, I needed my snare tracks to be at a certain level or I needed the guitars to be at a cer certain level for them to really cut through. And it really helped because I, I understood what to expect a lot more out of that speaker. And now when I use it in conjunction with my KRKs, because I've used so many reference tracks on both, I know what things should sound like when I flip between monitors. So using reference tracks is something that you definitely want to implement into your mixes if you haven't already, because not only is it going to help you with figuring out the overall balance of the individual instruments in terms of levels, but it's also going to help you with figuring out the overall frequency balance. And ultimately, it's going to help you create mixes that will translate much better from system to system. My second most important lesson of 2018 was the concept of having a good CRM. Now, CRM stands for Customer Relations Management, and it's basically software that allows you to keep track of all of your communications with different clients or prospective clients. Now, this may not have anything to do with actual mixing, but it has a lot to do with running a successful studio business. So this year, I decided to sign up for a software called SalesFlare, and I'll leave a link for that below. But SalesFlare allows you to keep track of all sorts of clients, prospective clients. You can keep track of all their contact info. It can connect to your email and it keeps track of all of the communications that you've had with that client in one easy to follow area. And it allows you to set reminders. So the reason why I signed up for this in the first place was because in 2017, I realized that I had lost over $20,000 worth of gigs because I just forgot to follow up with people. You know, maybe I talked to someone who said, oh, we're going to be recording a record or we're hoping to record a record in nine months or a year. And I just completely forgot when it came to that time. And I ended up discovering that they went with someone else. So by having a CRM, what it allows you to do is as soon as someone says, hey, we're thinking of recording on this date or whatever, you can leave yourself a note and a reminder to get in touch with that person. So you can say top of mind and follow up and try to get those gigs, offer to give them help, and, and maybe they'll end up hiring you. So that, that has been an enormous source of income for me in this past year. And I highly recommend that everybody get a CRM. There's a few different ones. The Salesflare is my favorite one for sure. There are a couple other ones like HubSpot, which is free. Um, but my point is you should definitely have a solid CRM system in your business because it's going to help you a lot. It's going to help you keep on top of projects. It's going to keep you top of mind with prospective clients. It's going to maintain relationships with clients and it's going to ultimately end up resulting in more income because if you stay top of mind and you keep on top of projects and you keep following up with people, 
people will think of you, people will hire you and give you a shot at least, right? So you just need to be reaching out to people because if you don't reach out to them at all, you're going to completely fall through the cracks and you will never have a chance of getting that gig. So keep top of mind and it will definitely result in at least some back and forth conversation, which might land you some gigs. One really interesting observation I made as a result of having a CRM was the discovery of just how many times I need to get in touch with people before they would either respond to me or at least give me a chance to work on a project. And it was something like an average of it would take me five or six times before I would be able to land a project. So it's really interesting because a lot of people will just touch base once and then they leave it at that, hoping that the artist is going to get back to them. But sometimes you need to check in regularly. You need to just keep in touch every couple months and say, hey, what's going on with your music? Are you working on some new stuff? Are you going in the studio soon? Do you guys need any help with anything? You know, just these little check-ins allow you to keep top of mind and to offer some help and insight along the way and add some value so that when it comes time for that bigger project, they think of you. So having a CRM is really important for this because you can set reminders to get in touch with the band whenever you want to. So you could say maybe every two weeks you, you reach out to this band or maybe send me a reminder that in three months I need to contact this band, that kind of thing. Just by having these reminders allow you to keep track of what's going on and then you can go back into your CRM and see, okay, well, the last time we talked, we talked about this, this, and this. So now I'm going to approach them with questions about those things. So it really allows you to keep track of all your communications and keep on top of bands and just keep top of mind and it will really be very beneficial for you in your business. Moving on to lesson number three of my top lessons of 2018, it was taking a less is more approach to getting sounds right at the source. So in the past, whenever I would record bands, I always had this like crippling feeling inside that bands thought I was taking too long to get set up. And as a result, one of the things that I would frequently do was I would add multiple mics on different sources, hoping that I would capture enough that in the mix I could fix it. So on kick drums, for example, I would always record a kick in and a kick out. On guitars, I would usually have at least two microphones, usually a 58, a uh, sorry, a 57 or a 421, sometimes a ribbon mic, sometimes a room mic. And basically my thought was that if I just put a bunch of mics in front that have different sounds, then once I got into the mix, I could fix it up and make it sound a lot better. But what would end up happening is once I got into the mix stage, I would become really overwhelmed by the number of tracks that I had because I wanted to give myself options. So, you know, let's say for example, on guitars, I'd end up having eight layers of guitar tracks. Well, eight times two would be 16. So I'd have 16 tracks that I'd have to sort through and try to find balances and, and check phase and all sorts of stuff. And it was just becoming really overwhelming. So in 2018, I wanted to take a less is more approach to that and really focus in on just getting sounds right at the source and taking a little bit more time and really figuring out my gear and what it was capable of doing and how the smallest differences in positioning could make a huge impact on the sound. So for example, with guitars, instead of having the multiple mics, I just went down to one single mic. I chose an SM57, I'd often stick it in front of the grill and just play with the positioning a little bit more to get that sweet spot. And with drums, I decided to ditch the idea of having a separate kick in and kick out mic and instead just wanted to go down to trying to see if I could accomplish the same results with one single microphone. So after experimenting with different microphones, different positioning, I realized that it was indeed possible. It might just take me a little bit more time, but ultimately it would create way less, way fewer problems in the mix stage because I didn't have to worry about phasing. I didn't have to worry about trying to find a blend of the two different microphones. Instead, I just got it right at the source and it made my life much easier later on. 
And to my surprise, one of the biggest observations that I made throughout this whole thing was that my clients didn't care at all that I was taking a little bit longer to get things right at the source. Instead, I actually got a lot of compliments on how meticulous I was and how I had a big attention to detail. And Clients like that. They like to see that you actually care about it, that you really understand what's going on, and that you're willing to put in a little bit of extra time and effort to get things right at the source. So not only did I realize that my clients didn't care, but then when it came to the mixing stage, it made my life so much easier because since I had things right at the source, I didn't need to worry about phasing. I didn't need to worry about blending tracks. I didn't even need to worry about having as many plugins in my sessions, which was another big thing. I really wanted to reduce the number of plugins that I use in my sessions because in the past, I've got hundreds of plugins and I just wanted to use a whole bunch of them and just thought that different plugins would give me different results. But instead, I really wanted to make an effort in this last year to minimize the amount of plugins. And really out of the hundreds of plugins that I have, I maybe only use 10 plugins now. And I think that a large part of that is because I've decided to really focus on learning the tools that I have and understanding what they can do for me. But also because I track things right at the source and I use minimal miking setups, it really makes it so I don't even need those extra plugins to post-process it because I've got everything right at the source. So definitely by taking a less is more approach, it can give you a lot of benefits in the long haul. So those were my top three lessons of 2018, and I'm really looking forward to 2019 because I know that there's a whole bunch more to learn, so I can't wait to dive in. And as we move forward in the year, I really want you to continue to push yourself to improve your skills so that you can make smarter, better mixes and do it faster and with ease. So really constantly push yourself to learn more and understand your tools better so that the process of mixing can be better and more enjoyable for you. Now, if you're looking to improve your skills, make sure to sign up to the Master Your Mix mailing list. Visit MasterYourMix.com, and as soon as you're there, you'll see a, a pop-up that'll ask you to join. That's where I send out all of my best content, and weekly I send out videos and tutorials and more podcast episodes and a whole bunch of stuff that's designed to help you improve your mixes. And also, make sure while you're at it to check out The Mixing Mindset, which is my brand new book, which is now out. And this book walks you through the entire process of mixing from beginning to end, showing you how to set up your sessions, how to analyze your tracks how to process them using EQ, compression, effects, and a whole bunch more, and how to know when you're done mixing. So that's a very important resource for you to check out, and I know that it's going to help to propel your mixes in 2019. So once again, it's called The Mixing Mindset, the step-by-step -step formula for creating professional rock mixes from your home studio. It's now available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback formats, so make sure to check that out. So that's it for today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it, and I can't wait to talk to you in the next one. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at masteryourmix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit masteryourmix.com. <laughs>